0: It's time for Girls in Golf Podcast, with your favorite hosts, Lex and Sarah. Ladies, when you're ready.
1: Welcome to the Girls in Golf Podcast, part of the Callaway Podcast Network and the Rubber Movement. I'm Lex, joined by Sarah from her house in Oceanside. And today, we are also joined, joined by um, Amy Alston in Utah. She actually used to be one of our fitters here at Callaway Golf, and
0: now... I've totally spaced on her title, so I'm going to let her tell you. Amy, tell us what you do at Callaway. <laughs> Hi, thanks for having me, you guys. I'm actually the um, junior player development rep for our pro tour department. So um, I essentially make sure that we I take care of all amateur golf on the pro tour side of Callaway's business.
1: That's really cool. And, you know, we talk a little bit on some of our other podcasts about um, Bjorn, who's um, one of the PGA Tour reps, but why don't you tell us a little bit about like what your job entails now?
0: Sure. So my job is very similar to Bjorn's, um, except that I focus mostly on junior players, up and coming competitive golfers that in the long run, we would like to sign as professional staff members for Callaway golf. So, um, as you guys probably know, golf is a lot about relationships, making sure people trust you with your equipment, um, that you're knowledgeable with equipment. So we like to start those relationships off young, um, a lot of what I do. Think of it kind of like a scout. I go, I travel 30 weeks a year to various junior golf or college tournaments, and I'm evaluating their games, getting to know them and their families, um, providing equipment as needed. There are no contracts in amateur golf; that would be definitely an NCAA violation. Um, and we start that relationship off early, familiarize them with our product early, so them when it does come time to potentially offer them a deal or sign them a contract, there's a long relationship. Um, PJ tour member, Ashke Bhatia, um, he's a great Mm -hmm. example of that. Uh, We had a relationship with him as a junior and it worked his way into a, a contract later on.
2: How do you start off those relationships? Are there any like tips that you try to do to kind of make them feel like, you know, that you're approachable? (laughs) <laughs> sure. Uh,
0: honestly, giving them attention, watching them play is usually a great starting point, especially on the junior level, um, chatting with their parents, um, getting to know them, making sure that they, they trust you as well. So there's almost more relationships that you have to cultivate um, on the amateur level. And then um, phone calls, Instagram, social media is a big thing with kids these days. So making sure that they're as just comfortable with you as possible um, in the beginning and it kind of just starts to cultivate from there
2: nice are you caught up on all your TikTok knowledge too <laughs> um i do not have the guts to actually post anything but you bet i'm on it a lot <laughs> oh wow really i, I, <laughs> I don't understand I'm it, all over so it. It. i had to
0: ask oh yeah I there's something about like yeah but i want to <laughs> uh, the day i actually post a video of me dancing or something is the day i die but i will watch and <laughs> i'm active on it but i will not post anything on it <laughs>
1: There's a right, few that I, yeah. There's a few that I've seen that are that like people can do together. Maybe you and your fiance can try. There's one that was like a plank one. I think Abby Liebenthal, who's over at the USGA, did it with her uh, oh, boyfriend. Oh yeah, I've seen that one. Did you see it? Yeah, you yes. like, start in a plank and then you go down to your elbows. It's crazy. Um, we do have a question for you from the community. Um, our sure. friend Bill Net, who is super active, um, wants to know if you do any work with Junior Golf Associations as well.
0: Yes, we do. Um, we are very active with a lot of different junior associations, junior tours that host tournaments, nonprofits. um specifically the AJGA, um, American Junior Golf Association, is a big one. That's definitely the powerhouse in junior golf a lot of the time. So we work with them. We sponsor. We are the title sponsor for three events annually. And um, we have worked closely with uh, Future Champions Tour based out of San Diego with Chris Neal, um, Antron Williams. They're a great group of people. So if you're looking for something in the Southern California area, we are a, a definitely, um, we have a great relationship with them. Um, there's a long laundry list of, of junior tours that we try to stay in touch with. Um, Pro Kids in San Diego, that's another big one. But yes, mm-hmm. that's, it's great on multiple levels. You can give back, you can introduce people to the game, and potentially we can find a future staffer out of it too. So it's a win-win-win.
2: Out of all the junior events that you go to, do you have a favorite? I don't know if I have a favorite.
0: Um, I do really like the amateurs, the amateur events. So the U.S. Women's Am, or the U.S. Junior Girls, or the U.S. Junior Boys, or those ones are always really fun because those are like the upper echelon of junior golf. Um, where there's definitely a lot of qualifying that has to be done. And you'll see a lot of kind of um, almost sleepers, kids that weren't on your radar appear at these events because they might not play in a certain tour that you frequent often. And um, all of a sudden it becomes a melting pot of these just really elite players that qualify to get in and the tournaments are usually top-notch
1: what's the like main difference that you'd see at a junior tournament versus something that maybe like even professional golf you know like how they conduct themselves what it's like for them out on the course because they're usually walking their own bags right
0: yeah they'll carry um push carts are more of a thing so like I played the whole junior golf scene so this job is definitely a deja vu for me um same thing just different faces now but they push a lot now, so push carts have definitely become more of a trend than they ever were when I was playing. Um, it almost used to be the opposite. We're like, oh, my gosh, you have a push cart. <laughs> but now <laughs> almost all of the kids have push carts they carry. Um, the atmosphere is a little bit different, and I think it's really good because it makes these kids a bit more self-sufficient. They have to diagnose their own games out on the golf course. They have to kind of understand themselves, and truthfully, it makes them grow up a little bit more than the average Fifteen-year-old needs to grow up. Um, they are responsible for this. Their parents have invested a lot of money and flown them out all over the country all summer long. And they have to take a little bit of ownership over their their golf game, their success, and how they handle pressure. It's um, it's great, and they become really mature, smart kids out of it.
1: At the highest level, what, how many tournaments do you think these kids are playing? Or like maybe Ooh. at different
0: ages, age groups. Sure, I think it varies. Um, but if you're talking about maybe an elite junior who's going to a potential top twenty-five college, all-American route, um, those kids are playing in probably, I would say, twenty-five to thirty-five tournaments a year. It's a lot. Um, wow. Be it weekends, summers. A lot of them are ho- homeschooled in order to support that type of tournament play. Um, but it is a whole family commitment.
2: Mm. Do you see, like, obviously these kids kind of give up a little bit of, of their childhood in order to kind of mm-hmm. do this, this path. Do you see, do they progress differently, or are they still just normal kids, everyday kids? They're normal kids. They really are. They
0: have, like, a, obviously every environment that a kid is raised in results in a different type of personality sometimes and different learning experiences, but um Because all of these kids, it's kind of like high school in a lot of ways. They all just travel to certain tournaments together and they all become buddies and they all get to know each other and they follow each other on TikTok and they post videos (laughs) and they do all the goofy things that we all did when we were in high school. Um, except it's just their own little click that they're just like a traveling group of high schoolers. And (laughs) um, I do think that they have to mature a little bit faster because the responsibilities that are given to them are maybe a little uh, more expectant. Um, There's definitely more required from them, but they're still kids and I still encourage them to be kids. And if you need to take a day off just because being a teenager is hard, then (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) the Lord knows it's hard. So just take a day off and hit the reset button and get back to work the next day.
1: You mentioned it a little bit before that you had this road through junior golf. Um, and this is a good fit for you because sure. of that. Can you share what your experience was like growing up and then going all the way to college? college golf? Okay.
0: Um, so yeah, I, I grew up playing golf, but I grew up playing actually a lot of sports, which I'm really thankful for. It kind of helped give some balance, but, um, I decided to get pretty competitive with junior golf when I was about in middle school, high school. Um, And when it came time in high school to start talking about the recruiting process, I was about 15 years old and I committed to um, a college in San Diego called San Diego State. Um, It was really great. But in the junior side of things, I played in all of the tournaments that I'm going to currently, um, the AJGAs, the Future Champions Tours, in Southern California, the SCPGA or the Texas Junior Golf League. So all of these tournaments that are really famous throughout the country, um, I was in them. And in that little circle of of kids. And then I went on to get recruited by different schools. I chose San Diego State and um, it kind of took off from there.
2: There's a lot of great colleges out there. Why was um, San Diego your choice? Sure, that's a good question.
0: Um, There's a lot of different elements and I think it depends on the player. Um, Truthfully for me, my family was in Southern California. My swing coach was there. My uh, sports psychologist was there. I didn't want to necessarily leave my network of people And I grew up about an hour and a half away, so it provided me the the nice balance of staying in a competitive program while also keeping my network of coaches and my support team close by. Uh, I was also kind of taken care of or helped out by Callaway Golf at the time. So Callaway was obviously very close to San Diego State, and it, it was just the perfect kind of mixture of things.
2: So you've been with Callaway for a while now then, since so yeah. you started as a junior. I did, yeah. It, it's actually funny. Um, I was probably
0: early in high school when the current, the junior rep at the time found me or knew someone who worked with me and got the referral to kind of help me out here and there with clubs or fittings. Um, so he actually had me get fit at our Ely Callaway Performance Center as a early high schooler and it kind of just took off from there and I've never played any other brand since. Um, They took care of my college team going into at San Diego State and then it came time after college to find a job and Callaway was there again. (laughs) So I I truly owe this brand my life and so the loyalty runs very deep on my side of Golf. so
2: you you literally went full circle you went on from one side of the spectrum being that junior golfer and <laughs> yeah. now you're on the other side helping junior golfers. exactly yeah I, I always joke <laughs> that um it's been
0: this crazy deja vu so um yeah I, I started I was found by the junior rep and now I'm the junior rep and so um
2: I, I definitely relate to these kids and what they're going through did you see yourself um eventually taking this sort of role or when you were younger what was the ultimate dream goal for you I think that's a good
0: question. So there was two, there was a two sided answer to that when I was playing. And it was one, I want to go pro, obviously. I mean, I think that's the dream of any kid. And then the second side of it was whatever I do in my life, I want to make sure I'm helping people. I just whatever that looks like. I understand I can't predict the future, but I want to help. And Callaway's put me in a position now where junior golf, going back to junior golf wasn't the initial, I didn't even know that job existed at Callaway. (laughs) Really, I mean, I I didn't know that how full, how much support Callaway really gives to junior golf, even though I was one of those kids. Um, And here I am fulfilling at least one of them where I I really do think that Callaway puts people like myself in a position to help others. Um, It's really special.
1: Being that you also were a fitter before, does that help you in your job with juniors now as well?
0: That's a good question. Um, So I was a fitter for four years before I started my current role uh, based out of headquarters. And that has been huge in helping me with my current job. A lot of times I can't help my kids with their equipment because they live in Florida So having the fitting knowledge and being able to ask the right questions and being really strategic allows me to help diagnose over the phone sometimes until I can go to Florida and see them or or they can come out to me. Um, So yes, fitting has been key in every way and, and especially understanding the basics of our equipment and the physics behind how things work has really been tremendous in diagnosing and fitting players.
2: What are some of the biggest challenges you see junior players dealing with as opposed to um, just like the average golfer? Um,
0: I guess the biggest challenges that junior players will go through, truthfully, is how much they're growing. (laughs) That's the biggest issue, especially as it relates to fitting them. Um, you know, I have, for example, I was I just got off the phone with a kid who's grown six inches in the last nine months. Oh, wow. And so we need, to get him, we need to figure out a lot of different things, and he needs to get a fitting now. I mean, too much has changed too quickly. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times with these amateur players, it, you'll see a similar thing where they sign on for a package of 10 lessons. And their swing's pretty different now than it was when they bought clubs, you know, five years ago. So they need Mm -hmm. to get refit. Mm -hmm. So um, really looking at your golf game with a fresh set of eyes so you can diagnose what needs to change and what doesn't is really important. And just constantly be checking in with yourself. What are your common misses? What are your Mm -hmm. fairway percentages looking like? And you can kind of start piecing together what's going on with your equipment from there. Another question
1: from someone on the community spotted rooster um, <laughs> says a question from my niece. She's 13 years old and has had lessons a few years ago, um, has a decent swing, and her family lives in a rural area without access to golf instructors. Oh, and she doesn't have access to an 18 hole course. She really likes to play, um, but is looking for some advice on how she can improve her game without those
0: resources. That's a great question. Um, I do know there's a lot of swing coaches who actually do virtual lessons now. Um, That is such a, uh, obviously with this self-quarantine thing that's going on and all the coronavirus, people are realizing that there are a lot of resources available to them just with online training. Um, So there are a lot of coaches who will do online lessons and kind of evaluate games from there. And then if you connect with a coach, then maybe it's worth the effort of traveling to them to go work with them every once in a while, but, um, first I would start off virtually, see how those things go. I really don't think golfers need a ton of lessons from the get-go. Um, once, once the swing is somewhat steady, give them one swing thought per month, you know, one, one big project to tackle in a month. And then once that project's completed, then you go to your next lesson. Um, I have seen players who get two lessons a week but you're talking about the same thing. Um, And so you're paying kind of almost twice for the same lesson um, until there will be a point where regular lessons is very helpful. But in the beginning, just tackle one big project at a time and then go from there with a swing coach.
1: Cool. Um, And last community question from Shane Wu. Um, What are your favorite
0: golf memories or just pick one? (laughs) Cute. Um, I think there are a few, a few specifically re- as they relate to college golf. Um there's a couple big wins here and there. Um some great trips going, you know, playing in Stanford's tournament was always a highlight for me, um one of my favorite courses and programs ever. Um specifically, I think playing playing golf with my dad. Um it's gotten to the point where we play every Sunday and if we don't, he's a very cranky man because golf has been such a big part of our routine. Um but there, there has been a few great golf trips with my dad that I, I will never forget.
2: Is it just you and your dad or are there more people in your family who are big golfers?
0: Um, when I left for college, my mom picked it up. Uh, she knew everything about the game and she knew about the etiquette and the rules and all the stuff from watching me play all the time. But uh, so she did pick it up once I left for college. But it's mostly me and my dad um, pretty much every week. So nice. Yeah, it's fun. You,
1: you do come from a family of pranksters. I've noticed. I do. <laughs> um, <laughs> have I there do. Been any fun pranks out on the golf course before?
0: Oh yeah, all the time. Um, I don't know if they're appropriate for a podcast, but there's a lot of <laughs> 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 there's a lot of pranks that go on um, on golf courses, especially um, when they my dad's involved. Um, We've done, especially the bets that we'd have. Because when, when I was a kid, he didn't necessarily want to bribe me with money when I was playing. So it'd be things like, okay, if you get this up and down here, um, I'll do a donkey kick and I'll kick your golf bag into the bunker. Or, you know, it was like <laughs> funny little pranks or things that we would do to, like, mess with each other. Um, lots of things like exploding golf balls would appear, um, things like that. It, it usually gets a little bit wacky. Then. <laughs>
1: So you did have your dad, you know, as your mm-hmm. like initial starter for playing golf. But who did you look up to when you were younger?
0: Um, that's an easy one. That's Annika Sorenstam for sure. Um, my mom always joked when I was a kid that you know most girls have pictures of Backstreet Boys or NSYNC on their walls at the time. Uh, 90s baby over here. But <laughs> what would it be now? Like One Direction or. And i her, think i think like about yeah five seconds of the summer <laughs> yeah, <laughs> i don't even know who that is and joe bros <laughs> are back so now it's making I've this all
1: three of those boy bands <laughs>
0: <laughs> well um yeah it used to be boy bands up on the walls but for me as yeah. a kid it was annika Um i had posters of her with wins i would write her fan mail uh, I had her book just torn to shreds. Um, like there were sticky notes, and I think I found it a few months ago. There was gum in it. I mean, I ba- <laughs> I loved this book. <laughs> and she was just tough, and she was a fierce competitor, and the most humble person of all time. Um, and so, in fact, I used to write her fan mail all the time, and she replied once, and I I think I still have the letter. <laughs>
1: Well, and you got to meet her, right? Now that you work at Callaway, I mean, that's even yeah. more of a reason for you to be here.
0: I think it was, yeah, it was like top five most embarrassing moments of my life when I met her. Um, I did, I'm usually pretty cool around tour pros. It's really, especially at Callaway in the department I work in, and it, it's they're just normal people. But Annika has always been that person um, that I couldn't meet. I've actually avoided meeting her a few times prior to that because I was so worried about <laughs> i was like worried about myself and um every a lot of my friends knew this and so that's when they surprised me with meeting her and i i did cry a little bit (laughs) (laughs) oh yeah i love her she's great that's really really cool
1: um Okay, so we, before this podcast, we had asked you to put together like a few trivia questions um, (laughs) about yourself and about Callaway in general, which we've covered a few of the answers, I think. Um, Why don't you give us the first two questions? Okay, here, let
0: me find them again. (laughs) All right, so the first question, um, let's see. Okay, so first question is, what university did I attend and play college golf at? Is it A, UNLV, B, San Diego State, C, University of Texas, or D, University of Washington? B. San Diego. (laughs) San Diego State, go Aztecs. (laughs) Um, (laughs) The second question is, what two jobs have I had at Callaway Golf Headquarters? Was I a club fitter and tour rep? Was I a customer service rep and a club fitter? Was I a part-time fitter and now working in marketing? Or was I an intern first and now a club fitter? First one. The first, first one. one. Yeah. Club fitter and tour rep, yeah. Woo, I did
1: start as an intern, fun fact.
0: Um, <laughs> you did, well, I remember sure that. The that, same was the same year. Year. Yeah. that was the same year I
1: started. <laughs> uh-huh, yeah. That was awesome. Two curly-haired kids. Getting our getting our start <laughs> out in the world, figuring it out, looking for um, friends. <laughs> I know, right? Did you ever fit any celebrities while you were a fitter?
0: Yeah, yeah. You run into them from time to time, so you'll you'll fit whoever's needed. Um, yeah, yeah. So you'll fit celebrities, tour pros, um, anyone who's really needed. Funny, the most random people show up at headquarters sometimes, so you'll have very interesting experiences.
1: You also sometimes have, you know, been a part of like bigger Callaway tours, especially now when you're taking um, kids around the building and showing them, you know, the performance center and
0: whatnot. How much of Callaway's history have you absorbed? Oh, that's a good question. And so it was interesting in the tour side or on the fitting side of my job, we started the job really evolved and became more of a training role. So whether it was training on fitting or training on the beginnings of Callaway whenever we would have new employees. I was the one to kind of give that seminar on this is how we started and these are some fun facts about the company. Um, But now with all the tours that I give around the building, I would say that my knowledge of Callaway is about an inch deep and a mile wide. So (laughs) I have a little bit of knowledge about pretty much every kind of part of our HQ and then whenever I want to give a very elaborate tour, of course, I call on the experts who can do a little bit of a deeper dive.
2: Nice. So on these um, tours that you've taken people, and out of all the content that you shared with them, what's the number one piece of content that people are really impressed about at Callaway? That's a good question.
0: Um, when This is really a kind of a nod to our CEO, Chip Brewer. Um, when he came on board at Callaway, He really kind of pulled back the curtain a little bit for people. So when they do come in for tours, especially if they're retail customers or um, relationships, partnerships that we have, when allowed from time to time, you can go into like the prototypes lab and go see what's going on in there. It's kind of like getting a tour of, like, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, you know? Sometimes people leave with their own version of a everlasting gobstopper, which might be, like, a proto <laughs> golf ball, or, you know, they get to see something that they're not allowed to look at. Or, um, so that's definitely always really fun for people. Of course, only when allowed. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but I would also say stopping by Anthony Toronto's desk seems to be the big ticket item. Everyone wants to meet Anthony. Um, because it is and he, cool. Yes, And for those who don't know, Anthony is a wedge designer in our Pro Tour build department. So follow him on Instagram. He's phenomenal at what he does and what he can do with designing wedges. but He is also a builder. A lot of people think he's just an artist, but he has been a builder for a long time. And he's a great friend of mine. And believe it or not, he's actually, you know, kind of a shy guy. So it's, it's really cool that a lot of people want to get to know him. And he's very active on social media if you want to give him a follow
2: Okay. Yeah. Um so do you have any other I think you had a couple more trivia questions should we Um Let's sure. do a tough one. Do you have any tough ones for our viewers?
0: Yeah. I mean, I have some actually specifically about Callaway as well, not just about me. If, if Yeah, we can do, do, it, those yeah. Have. Let's do it. Okay. Let's do it. First off, this is kind of like um actually let me back it up. First off, do we pronounce it Ely Callaway or Eli Callaway? I always tell people you're allowed to mess it up once and then from there, that is your free pass. It is not Eli Calloway. It is Ely Calloway, the founder of Calloway (laughs) golf. Um, while we're talking about him though, was how, how many companies did Ely Calloway own before starting Calloway
2: golf? Oh, i he was part of Burlington coat factory, I believe. And he had his wine company. So at least two. Yes. So Ah. very good. (laughs) Callaway Golf was his
0: third company that he had started. He had actually retired. So his family was actually the number one cotton textile procurer for um, World War II, I believe. So he was in the textile business out in uh, Georgia, Lagrange, Georgia is where he was born. Then he went on to start Callaway Winery, which is still there today. Um, No longer owned by him. He did sell it, retire. And he retired for a very short amount of time when he found Hickory Stick USA, a local small golf, like it was mostly wedges and putter company and his pro shop when he was playing golf. And he
2: bought it and it became Callaway. Side note, um, the Callaway Winery out in Temecula is like my favorite winery. And I took a tour there once and they give like the whole spiel on how he first started that winery. They do? Yeah. It's so cool. I've seen the
0: signs of them. I didn't know they kind of give a nod to him though.
2: Yeah. It's really cool. They have like pictures of him and everything.
0: (laughs) Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. He's, he's a great guy and to have Chip Brewer now as our current leader has just been such a nice progression. He's really carried on Ely's goodwill. And a fun fact about Ely, when he sold his family's textile company, He gave every employee there a thousand dollars per year of service on his way out. So if you worked there for 10 years, he gave him 10 grand, especially at the time was a lot of money. And um, that's just kind of the guy he is. I almost call him the Walt Disney of Callaway golf, you know, of the golf industry. He was just that really humble and appreciative guy.
1: Yeah. And he gave us a lot of icons, you know, for things that we're making now.
0: (laughs) He did. Um, While we're on that, as you guys know, Big Bertha is a recurring name in the Callaway golf industry. Um, we, uh, we always seem to have a Big Bertha something in our lineup, and it was actually the name of our first driver we ever came out with. Do you guys know the, where Big Bertha name originated from? I've heard some rumblings. heard <laughs> some rumblings. So the answer to that is it's actually a German war missile called Big, Ber- Big Bertha. Um, Ah. Because his family was so involved in the war, um, he came back, started this company, and he felt like it was appropriate to name his first driver after a a war missile. Makes (laughs) sense. Yeah. (laughs) Even then, people wanted to hit the golf ball far.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Now we add great to it, and it's just
0: even bigger and better. It's definitely blown up. And I've gotten a lot of questions about the Big Bertha name, especially when we were fitting, because... people would say long time Callaway people would say, Oh, you still have a big Bertha out. Is it the same one I grew up with playing? And you're like, Oh no. You know, it's, it's (laughs) that just everlasting name. It's just always going to be a part of who we are. So um, big birth is definitely a very special part of Callaway golf.
1: Well, Amy, before we let you go, um, is there anywhere that people can, you know, reach out to you if they do have any other questions or any of your like Twitter or somewhere that, Maybe it's not like private.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I'm very active on Instagram, mostly specifically when I'm working with junior golf, you almost have to be. Um, So my, my Instagram handle is Amy underscore Alston, A-L-S-T-O-N. It'll probably change soon to Amy underscore Nicholas um, as I am getting married soon. But um, yeah, so contact me there. That's usually the easiest. And I I always like to answer questions and help if I can. Yeah,
1: well, thank you so much for joining us today. And we've been trying to get this on the calendar for a while. So you know, quarantine actually worked in our favor this way. It is
0: working in our favor. Maybe not in person, but it sure is nice yeah. to see you guys.
1: Yeah, it's nice to see Thanks you for inviting And me. hopefully, we'll be back in the office soon. Oh, Thanks, okay. Amy.
0: I can't wait. <laughs> thank you, guys. Hopefully,
1: yeah. All right. Well, thank you so much for listening to Girls in Golf. You can watch this on YouTube, um, subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, wherever you get your podcast, and we will catch you next week.